Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Welcome to part two of, I don't know, Drugs and Entertainment. I'm Brian Courtney with Short Bus Debate Club. Drugs and Entertainment. I don't know if that's the best frame. I don't know. You know, I was talking to Dave. That was one thing that Dave really liked. He's like, who who comes up with the titles? I said, I, I pretty much leave that in the hands of Brian. He says, sometimes I can tell that it's funny. Sometimes I can tell that it's serious. And sometimes I'm just like, where in the fuck is that going to go? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll tell him that you said that. So he likes your titles, Brian. Good. My favorite title is How Much for a Blowjob. Yeah, he, he's, that was actually the first one that he brought up. He's, he's like, I think that's, I'm going to go for the blowjob next. I think that's what he said. <laughs> All right. So that other guy that was just talking is Darren, in case you didn't know. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever been on the show. Um, so at the end of the last episode, I kind of left you guys with a cliffhanger. Yeah, so tell us this, what. So can you give us a time frame or? So I was still hanging out with, I don't know. I guess I'd call them the LSD crew. I mean, so it was the the mid nineties then ish mid. Yeah, end. probably ninety six. Okay. No, maybe not even that late. Maybe it was 94 and 95. Okay. Um, we went to the Rush show. And Who did you go with without naming any last names? Well, Jackson. So you referred to him Downey. By, by his last name. McCarthy. His last name, too. <laughs> um, All their last names thus far. Yeah. Jackson's name was actually Michael Jackson. Was, <laughs> I, that was a tough thing to grow up with although like he was so funny like he's like like the first time you meet him he's like you got one chance and never fucking say anything about it again he was funny did you ever meet his dad uh-uh. oh dude his dad was right and his mom was too she was from fucking uh belfast um or somewhere in northern ireland but his dad was this big Fucking, Boston, I don't know, yeah. Samoan, okay. Tongan, something really? huge. I mean, like from the islands down there, though, you're saying. That's a guess. Um, but it was Mike Jackson, except bigger. He's a big guy then. Okay, wow. Mike was a big guy. He was not little Mike Jackson. One night we were all in the pool and we were fucked up as usual. And it was, the pool was closed and somebody fucking yelled out the window. And of course, me being me, I yelled back, fuck you, something like that. And he laughed so loud, dude. And it was it was Jackson's dad. Um, so I got along with. Oh, him because after they that. lived over in the like the same places that your aunt lived over back then. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm at the Rush show with these guys, and I think I don't ever remember just doing one hit of acid when I was rolling with them. Mm-hmm. If I, acid, I don't think that Mike ever just took one hit of acid either. If acid was broken out, it was like, or Josh, here, do you want, or Sean. here's four, yeah. and I've got more if you need them. Yeah. So, 
you remember what it was that you were eating? I think it was the green keys. Yeah, the green keys. Some of those were really good, dude. Some of those were I know good. it was some keys. Trick 90. But I think... Some I think, keys were better than others. The black keys were very good. Well, they're a decent band, too. Well, I, I, can't, I don't know that there's a correlation. I, um, hope, I hope for their sake there is, though. <laughs> so, I think it was the green keys. But So, we pull up, and we're right outside of Fiddler's Green, which I think they call Coors something now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the sound was really bad. We then. wanted to, tr- dude, I love Fiddler I- anyway, regardless of the venue. Okay. Um, we pulled up and of course, not only do we like to fucking hallucinate, but we like to get fucked up. And you know, when you're on hallucinogens, Are those mutually exclusive categories. Well, I'm talking about adding booze to the equation. Okay. Okay. So we went to the liquor store, and I had my fucking fake ID that I had bought at the fucking flea market. (laughs) So we bought some beer, and I pounded like a fucking six-pack of beer before we went in. And we got in so early that at Fiddler's, with general admission, that's where you sit on what they call the green. And it's, it's this grassy area behind all of the seats. And while they're waiting for the green to fill up, they rope it off. And once that section is fucking full, they move the rope and so on and so forth until the entire green is full. (laughs) Well, I had slammed so many fucking beers, I'm hammered. But you don't feel hammered when you're on acid. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. And I fucking jumped over the rope. And landed and puked. Well, a couple of fucking security guards saw me. (laughs) And they pulled me out. And I went back to this fucking room. And I'm with all of these other fucked up people. Like there was this one girl who they had pulled out of the toilet. And her hair was all wet and had puke and shit all in it. That's always a good look. Um, there was another guy that was just all fucked up, and he was trying to fight everybody. And they kept sure saying... That wasn't you looking at yourself? Okay. Yeah, I'm positive, because I was really trying to get back in the show. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there, and they're like, well, are you sure you're not on drugs? Your eyes are really big. Your pupils are dilated. <laughs> and I was like, no, I just have really blue eyes. What does that mean? I just have really blue eyes. I don't fucking know. That's what I fucking said. But then I'm sitting there and she's like, okay, well, I, I think you're okay, but you just need to sit here a little while longer. So I'm sitting there and I look over and I see this really tiny cop. And that was a really tiny cop. Did he start singing, we represent the lollipop kids? Not quite that tiny, but still very, very tiny. And then another tiny cop came in. And another fucking tiny cop came in, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Fuck We're after your lucky charms." I can't, I can't be tripping that hard to see shrinking people. And I, I, but I am just tripping fucking balls. And another tiny cop comes in, and then the tiny cops start wandering around where I am. And so there's four tiny cops. Their uniforms are fucking identical to the Arapahoe County Sheriff's. And it turned out that there's some sort of fucking tiny cop 
I don't know. They were like, school. They were like kids. Yeah, or they're fucking junior high kids or fucking high school kids that have these Arapahoe County Sheriff cop uniforms on because they want to be cops when they grow up. So I sit back there for two hours watching the girl that puked all over herself and the guy that's hours? fighting. It might not have been that long. Time I was tripping. Little, time gets a little funny. Yeah. So they're like, okay, you can go. Just go out this exit right over here. So I leave. And I'm like, motherfucker, they kicked me out of the show. They sent you out of the show? Well, that's what I thought, oh. because I'm in this fucking fenced area, and I'm like, god damn it, you gotta let me in! You were in the... And then they were like, dude, you're already fucking in. <laughs> <laughs> you were in the lower part, though. You got down below. <laughs> I was in this, like, fence maze. That if I would have just continued to follow it, it would have just let me out right next to the stage. Mm -hmm. But I was I was fully fucked up, dude. I mean, I swear to this day that the laser show at Rush was so intense. Like, not only were there lasers, but I saw, like, little shapes inside the lasers. And I kept asking people if that really happened. And they were like, eh, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about. But yeah, the rest show. I don't like, I don't like, before I, I head back into a little bit more um, concrete and um, uh, subject specific like topic, I don't, I don't like tripping in public. I didn't like tripping in public. I didn't like tripping at concerts. I tripped uh, at the Pink Floyd show. Uh, that was not a good idea. Um, and the last time that I tripped, I said, was December 31st, 1995. The last conscious memory I have other than getting in the car and driving through the streets of Manhattan with Nicole. I mean, she's just tripping her fucking brains out, too. With all these people standing on the corner, hailing, you know, asking for cabs, was me walking out of the fish show and seeing... Uh, Jackson was living in Rhode Island at that time in Providence and I because he was the fish head you know he was following fish all over the place at that time and uh, his fucking girlfriend was standing like right at the fucking entrance when I walked out and she's like oh hi Darren have you seen Jackson <laughs> I said did you get in Jenny she says, she says no I said dude I am fucking crying so hard she says yeah I can tell <laughs> I did a lot of that walking around shit too. And she looked like the Cheshire cat. And uh, I said, I said, tell him I said hello. And, and I wandered off with Nicole and we got in the car. But that was like my last tripping memory was running into fucking Jackson's girlfriend. And, and she looked like the, the Cheshire cat. She really did. Like she had like hair growing out of her upper lip. Like she a fucking was a, huge smile. Yes. Yes. Like she, she very well. I mean what would the Cheshire cat be without a huge smile? Right. It but I was just making cat. sure. Cause you said, no, when she had tripping, some, files. you know, like things kind of like play out like that. And I, I will tell you that at the Pink Floyd show, like I had a similar uh, laser experience to that one, but I knew it was all me. Like it didn't matter me communicating to anybody else. I was in my own, very much in my own headspace. I don't know if it was all me or not, but I don't know. Like I had some other weird shit, like, there was some weird gangbanger shit that happened at that concert. And then later on, not that night, but maybe that same summer, we were all tripping it's up in the woods because, you know, we like to take a keg and yeah. fucking... I, that, that environment is much more 
not it's still not around i mean i don't really want to be around like you know ernie estrada no no problem guys i like you guys i just don't really want to be tripping around well, so this woods. story is directly related i have i i i assume as much so josh shows up and he's got a fucking black eye and i was like what what happened and he's like well i was running through the woods and i ran into a tree well then again they tell me that i'm full of shit but i remember being in this essentially this circle this opening and they were like you just need to stand right there and i was like what the fuck are you guys talking about one of the estradas comes out and another one and then like heflin those two black twins that were always yeah. around josh downey uh -huh. and i don't know for sure but i think they wanted to jump me into whatever little club that they had and i think they had jumped josh in earlier and that's and how he got black the black eye because yeah. i was like fuck you guys i don't want to join your club fuck you and i walked out of the circle and they still tell me to this day that i was full of shit. well of course because you weren't in the circle you got to be a part of the circle to be in the circle. Yeah. So. But I was dosed, like fully. Well, that, and and you know there are some things that happen in the middle of the mountains, like in terms of my psychedelic experiences that will never come up on this show. You know, like I just, I'm not gonna try to explain them to people. Like I know what my experiences were. They were uh, real in the sense that I experienced them. I talked to the people that I was with those nights, and they were real to them as well. But I'm not gonna. You know, I'm just not going to get into a dialogue with, you know, I'm certainly not going to air it in these places where people would be like, yeah, that one's fucking off the fucking deep end more than we already thought that he was. Well, I haven't seen any of the Tortilla Flat crew in a while. Um, Ernie, like I see, he just moved back to Denver, I think, actually. he Moved living, back? Yeah, he, well, he lived in, uh, he was running a restaurant in Louisiana for a while, and then I think he moved to Tennessee for a little bit. He's been married to Travis Little's sister for at Megan forever. Really? So, yeah, forever. I mean, they're I think they got kids together and everything. So I mean, they they got a good relationship. They love each other. I mean, they've been together since high school, pretty much. So high schoolish, you know. No, that, that I was yeah. just thinking mm -hmm. of that's whatever. That's not Melissa, is it? No, it's Megan. Megan Little. Okay. Okay. So either way. Um, as I try to make an attempt to segue back in. So one of the things that I brought up when I was, when you told me to wrap it up. Yes. I, so I watched this one documentary specifically and it was, it was, it took place in 2010, 2010. I want to look, um, a little bit more. It was about Juarez. Right. And I, and about like the two, um, main, uh, cartels. cartels. So you had uh, what's his name and what was the other one? You had Tijuana and no, wait. What well, so Tijuana, Tijuana was the Ariana brothers. No, that wasn't who they were talking about. And so what's, his, what's Sinaloa his, is Sinaloa. Chapo. So Sinaloa is Chapo, and then there was another one they said other than Sinaloa. Well, so it could be a lot of different ones because there was a Juarez cartel at one time. Well, so give me another name. I I if, just did. If you say the no, the names of the. The leaders i i can't i i so, can't remember because here's the way that it worked mm -hmm. so and this is what i was going to talk about with regard to heroin and coke and mm -hmm. weed because you mentioned that these people are saying well when weed became legal they started pushing more heroin mm -hmm. and that's not 
Exactly true. true. Exactly. Not, not on the nose. Because they started pushing more heroin and coke because you could pack it into smaller. You could pack more into a smaller area than you can with weed. It's a value volume kind of thing. And it was worth more. So they started pushing more coke value and value. heroin than they did weed before weed was ever you fucking sure legal. They just wanted to be able to have one-on-ones going over the border. Just right. So. <laughs> yeah. Just give me a one-on-one. Um, so whatever, there were two, there were two cartels that were operating that they were talking about in this, in this specific documentary. Well, so there was a guy named Felix Gallardo and he, he was originally from Sinaloa, but he's the one that started, he went over to, he went down to Guadalajara Guadalajara and at first they were just pushing weed. I don't want to get too much into the the gangs yet. No, I so. I understand that, uh-huh. but I'm just trying to explain it because uh-huh. once Gallardo went down the cartel, because at that point it was Sinaloa, it was Tijuana, it was Juarez, it was Guadalajara, it was all of the major cities in Mexico that were part of this cartel. Mm-hmm. They called them plazas, That's right. and the plazas all paid in, but they also got uneven revenue share. They were working together. This is something you were talking about yes. before. Mm-hmm. So once Gallardo went down, mm-hmm. everything broke up, and that's where they started fighting over roots because so this is Tijuana and Juarez were the only ones that shared a border. That was a big point that they made. So like the argument, so the, the president at the time in 2000, I think his name was Calderon. Is that correct? Mexican president Calderon. He was it was either Calderon or Fox. Fox was 2000, 2000 to 2006. And 2006 to 2012 was Calderon. So okay. uh, Felipe Calderon. And Cal, so it was 2010. So Calderon was the one that they were talking about. So like, the rhetorical disposition that that Calderon and uh, um, dumb Obama was making uh, was that these people were fighting over uh, this this route, the Juarez route, right? And all of the people that were ancillary to the people who were getting murdered, right? So the name of this, I, sh- I guess I should preface, the name of the documentary was Eight Murders a Day, right? Because in 2010, that was the average number of people that were being killed in Juarez. There were a shitload of people getting killed, and it wasn't just people in the drug game. It was fucking press. So it was is, everybody. Cops. Is, that's exactly the point that I was about to connect to. So the argument, like, the argument that was being made by both Calderon and Obama was that it was fighting over turf with regards to the Juarez pipeline, right? And what all of the people that were around this, there was a professor that was teaching at UTEP at the time. Now he teaches at Rice. Uh, his name is Tony Payan, really interesting guy. And then there was uh, a publisher named uh, Gerardo Rodriguez, who was associate publisher of El Diario, I think is the name, Diary, the Diary essentially is the name, you know, of, of whatever it was. El Diario is Day of the River. Uh, but it, literally, it means, I, I understand that that's what it literally Oh, no, as, you're as saying Diario, not Diario. Okay. But there were several points that they made. Uh, one of them was that, and everybody that they would interview that was ancillary, to the people that had died were, like you said, this, this these were people in media, right? That guy from Diario who's still alive today, um, you know, they had to be really, really fucking careful, right? 
there was and and it wasn't just people who uh, were in media. There was this mother of a girl who was killed by the, and she was protesting out in front of the Juarez government building, and they have a film of this guy stopping two lanes out getting out of a car and chasing her. her down and shooting her in the fucking head. I mean, I watched the fucking video, you yeah. know? So um, the argument that everybody was making inside of Juarez at that point in time is this, this had nothing to do with, with, with the cartels themselves. Then the 5% of the people, at least according to what they were seeing, everybody else that was being killed were people that were trying to upset the movement of, of goods in, in the area, trying to, trying to make it, uh, trying to narc, trying to yeah, they the were they were anybody that would give the cartel a bad name got killed, and but they were still fighting over over those roots. There, I mean, but it was it was a lot less people that were fighting over the roots. Most of the people that were dying were these other individuals. They were cops. They were, but they were cops. Medical, that, sometimes medical professionals. They were cops you know? that fucking they like fucked ended up. up trying to play both sides of the fence they're taking money those from the cartel those incidents occurred yeah so they were dirty there were dirty things that were happening but um so tony tony payan and this this guy gerardo rodriguez they talked about something that maybe i hadn't thought about as clearly um until after of course i'm 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 the marxist that i that i am right so um in the in the midst of all of these discussions one of the main points that he says so uh, Payan makes this statement, all right? He says, this is this is class warfare. Disguised as organized crime. The city is divided into very distinct class groups. The middle class that is struggling to survive and running faster to stay in place. Uh, we're talking about a vast amount of people that have absolutely nothing to lose and are absolutely willing to go and uh, pillage that middle class. And the upper class are leaving the city. Because the very wealthy people, the people that own the maquiladoras in Juarez, the people that own the shopping centers, uh, the great uh, landowners in Juarez, they've all moved up to El Paso, right? So this is the main point that he's saying, but he says you can't just take this in the context of just like a straight Marxist position. He said, you have to understand that like movement of goods has gone back and forth over the border for, since way before it. The United States existed, you know, like it has. that border did not yes. that border did not exist. So goods flowed. He said, but when when neoliberalism opened, the movement of goods along the border when it came to drugs became incredibly an incredibly lucrative space because there was the huge demand north of the border and there was a huge supply south of the border. So these, like you said, these cartels started pushing those neoliberalism opened the door for the movement of these drugs up into the United States. So I spoke kind of out of turn and and I knew that I was. But so Loret or uh, Juarez was one of them. Mm -hmm. Tijuana, those were the two main ones. But there's a state called eh, fuck, I don't even know how to pronounce What's that. It spell it. It's it's Tama Tamaulipas. Spell it just so I know. T A M a U L I P A S. Okay. Um, so that one connects directly to where Texas comes down okay. to the Gulf. Okay. So Juarez is up here at Texas, and Tijuana yeah. is over under California. Okay. Uh -huh. And the other one's further right south. Yeah. So. And the east. 
those guys, according to Narcos, which is where I learned about Felix Gallardo, uh-huh. and then I read some more shit about him, but um, there was this guy who ran the cartel in that Tamaulipas, and he had friends on the other side that were border patrol and he was talking about how back in the 20s he used to smuggle booze and he'd say well you know i smuggled booze to the gringos and then after it was booze it was weed and so on and so forth so both sides of the border have been moving back and forth for a long time and not just for drugs for all kinds of goods absolutely Uh but what i was gonna say is that when nafta was enacted it made it a lot easier. So that was one of the ways that the Juarez cartel got as big as they did and as powerful. Not only because they had that border, but because they had all that fucking industrial space that was there. And they had these railroad spurs. So there's some fucking rich dude. I can't remember what his name was. He was never a politician, but he was basically a puppet puller, mm-hmm. puppet master. He pulled strings to all of the politicians. Mm-hmm. He owned a lot of these shipping companies that could move by train, by truck, whatever. Mm -hmm. He got in bed with the dude that used to be Gallardo's right-hand man that was running Juarez after Gallardo went down. And they started moving a shitload of fucking drugs over the border via train and truck and everything else. Another thing you've kind of got to keep in mind is that this war on drugs is complete bullshit. I don't know exactly how much money they budget toward the war on drugs, but if you just take the Colombians, which do still provide the coke to the Mexicans, Mm -hmm. because The Mexicans aren't growing their own coke. They do heroin, but not coke. Um, They haven't... I mean, they're building their own submarines and shit. (laughs) Seriously, dude. So, I mean, they can't stop it. And the ones that they are stopping are being stopped most likely on purpose. I mean, it's, it's almost like... You know, a grocery store expects a certain amount of shrinkage, which is somebody stealing some shit. Those fucking drug kingpins, cartels, they it's expect... the story I told about the Grateful Dead show, where they were moving around the, the nitrous tanks, and that guy told me they're going to take one, they're going to put it over here, they're going to have all these people standing over it bleeding it, but these 37 other nitrous tanks are going to be moving at the same time. Right. It's exactly the same idea. So... You get no disagreement with me about the fact that it's all it's all utter bullshit. I, I just the, a, a statistic about Mexico and just since you brought Colombia up, right? So in 2010, this is just something that they like talked about really quickly, um, and this kind of will allow me to transition into the point that I wanted to make about uh, creating uh, systems that will allow for us to transition to uh, regulation in a, in a meaningful and thoughtful way, right? So um, in 2010. Uh, the United States was giving funding uh, for uh, development uh, because of the ways that uh, the drug trade had affected. You mean to Colombia? 
to both Mexico and Colombia during this time period. Okay. So can you give me a guess on what the numbers you were you think that were to Mexico and the number you think that was to Colombia? You mean this as is far, You mean as far as an aid package? Aid goes. package for development as it relates to the drug wars because the the drug war in Colombia was huge forever. And the drug war in Mexico was huge during this time period, huge. Let's say 1.25 million. For which one and for what? Which, what for Mexico, what so, for Colombia? I would say it's probably similar for both. Not even not even close. Okay, so we give $11 million a year to Mexico at the time period. That's and still we were not giving, much. We were giving a quarter of a billion to Colombia during the time period. Yeah, but see, there's something different there. And, and I don't want to get into politics. But that Colombia thing is still fighting the anti-communist shit. Yeah, we we I can't, I don't want to go too deep into that, but yes, of course, what you're saying there there was something else that was going on with the Colombia. Because that's not just drugs. That's there's, that's there's other things that are yeah. happening there. Okay, so uh, in 2018, uh, there was a new president that got elected to Mexico. His name is uh, Andres Manuel Lopez. Obrador, they, they call it AMLO because that's just too much of a fucking name, right? Well, they all have that many names. But, <laughs> but they, they, keep, they keep it short for him, right? So AMLO is identified as, how, how do you say this? Uh, how did they put it? Uh, uh, he, he's basically a left-wing populist socialist kind of guy, right? He, he, he's more of a protectionist. He wants to roll back neoliberal positions, and he wants to start to redevelop social programs in Mexico, right? He's basically saying, fuck you to the United States. Well, I, and he wants to give the land back yeah, to the people, right? Yeah, he, I, I would assume that there's a little bit of that, uh, what, what were they called? Um, the, I told that. They no, were, I, it's essentially a share farmer, except it's Mexico. Yeah, but there was a specific term. For I know. Okay, I can't. So whatever. Um, I, I'll remember it here in about 10 minutes as soon as I'm, it's, it's well, well forgotten. So um, my, my big point is that, um, my concern for legalization and regulation is this, right? It's it's the uh, the Gus uh, comment to Charlie Wilson in Charlie Wilson's War, where at the end of it, when uh, they had kicked the Soviets yeah. out, Gus says, "You need to stock the sheepherds. You know, you need to milk some skill schools. What else are you going to do? These people, right? And you know." Charlie Wilson's like, I'm doing everything I can. And then he tells him that the fucking crazies are rolling into Kandahar like it's a fucking bathtub drain, right? So my concern is, is that if you don't create a mechanism to where you facilitate a transition in political economy out of a drug economy in this area to a new sort of kind of economy, an economy to where uh, people have hope, to where there's a possibility. Because right now, we have literally created the conditions for this drug uh, economy to thrive, right? I mean, it exists. Well, it's the law of supply and demand. It's more than it's, but the way that we structured the political economy down there. Oh, is you're more talking than about funding them and everything else, right? Yeah. Sending military down there, and I, I'm saying that you need to create a transition so that these people who have all of these capabilities to just kill motherfuckers. Like you, you have to create you have to create a space to where there's a new there's a new political economy down there to where you stock the shepherds you know to where you create a space of education. There was a statistic in the film that just scared the fucking shit out of me. All right, and this again this was 2010 you know but uh, in Juarez 10,000 children uh, under the age of 14 have been 
orphaned as a result of the violence. In, and that was just in 2010. So uh, what are those children going to end up doing? Because there's not enough orphanages to take care of them. They're going to end up attaching to the fucking cartels. They're going to end up doing things. You know? If they end up in the fucking orphanage, there's a good chance they're, they're going to do it anyway. anyway. I mean, because those... And I... Well, but I mean, they do, they, they control pretty much everything. They really do own the cops mm -hmm. because see, Mexico's similar to the United States. So there's municipal cops, which are the city. There's state cops, which would be Chihuahua or Tamaulipas or whatever, Oaxaca, <laughs> um, Sinaloa. So then there's state cops. And then there's federal cops. Yeah. Generally speaking, they probably, and I'm saying probably because I don't fucking know, but they probably own most of the municipals and most of the states. And a solid fucking portion of the federals. I mean, because, okay, so we're talking about a different country, but Pablo Escobar was able to build his own fucking prison. I mean, he built it and then went there. And they said, okay, we're not going to come within two miles of it. So he was able to run his entire thing from there. It's similar shit in Mexico, which is why we pulled Chapo out of Mexico and put him here. But you're, so, but you're, but you're, you, you made a point around that, that we need to, we need to deal with full, fully, right? And that is that despite the fact that he's here, there's so much, he's, he's the richest guy in the fucking world. I mean, according to the numbers, right? Like, so even even in fucking Supermax, he's still the richest fucking guy in the world. So maybe it would make more sense to... Kill him? No. No. To facilitate a space to where the people that are running his organization are utilized as part of this transition towards something else. Well, and that's, see, that's another part of the problem. And I don't know if there's a way we can fix it. So we give how much ever? $11 million, $250 million. That was, 2000, that was 2010. Right. So I don't know what the numbers are now. I, I was yeah, just no. using as, sure, sure. as an example. example. But sure. what happens, again, I'm guessing, based on what I've seen in Mexico, but I'm guessing that that $11 million gets chopped up a bunch of between a bunch of fucking bureaucrats, some of them buy a house, a couple of them buy a yacht. And then $11 get to that orphanage. Right. Out of the entire $11 million. Or maybe they pay for a couple of guns for the people that are fighting the drug war. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. And the same goes for Colombia. We call, we'll call this the uh, funding the Ukrainian military rule. <laughs> right. Did <laughs> so, I say that? So we're just funding bureaucrats and it's again all about optics so i again, funding the ukrainian military rule i would say we flip it and instead of saying here's 11 million dollars to fight drugs we say here's 11 million dollars build a couple of schools over here build a couple of schools over here mm -hmm give this much money to these guys and let it all through that's so but but I, so I, I what i'm saying i'm i'm agreeing with you about the concept of opening things up 
in a regulated way. Yes. But we have to really, really, really think through. We have to think through both the stocking the sheep sheepers thing, and we need to think through the uh, um, how to deal with uh, uh, abuse. Also, much, much, much more clearly than we are now. To where we are, we are like, like, and this is where when we tie it back, like, we get into the gang stuff next week. When we, when we tie it back into the prison stuff, to where our intentions are not to use drugs as a way of constructing a market for fucking prisons anymore. Like it has to. That's be, what I want. To I know. Happen. I know. I know. But that's why I'm saying, like, if you're going to eliminate an entire part of a political economy, like in Mexico, where you're literally taking away their whole drug trade, like if we're going to systematically remove, you know, everything that came out of the fucking crime bill, what 94, 94 was 94 crime bill. If you're going to systematically remove that stuff. Like, one of the things that when I used to sit there and imagine the revolution and read my marks and all that kind of stuff that I really took for granted, right? Yeah. Is the fact that, like, and having worked at the post office now for 15 years, is, is, is the fact that I understand that the trains have to keep running, right? You have to be able to shift from one thing to another thing. And, 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 and that's not going to happen without thought, coordination, and everybody buying into that well no but that's what we talked about two episodes ago i mean we said really completely well we're not fucking completely talking about it now but i mean we started on it i because if we don't get mexico to buy in if uh -huh. we don't get colombia to buy in if we don't get burma to buy in uh -huh. or afghanistan pakistan yes whomever yeah that's can right. you call a country yes whom? Yes, I, 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 it sounded perfect. Don't overthink it, motherfucker. Keep going. Okay. Whomever. Yes, whomever. If we don't get them to buy in, then we run the risk of our legalization not actually working. Which means we're not selling drugs because we don't have drugs. And then we don't have taxes, so we can't run rehab centers and needle exchanges and whatever. Don't fucking look at me like that. I'm going to look at dick you like face. that. I'm, I'm just telling you. I that's understand that aspect of it, but we need to tease out. Like, it's important that like all of these, so like people, if at some point in time, people start to listen to this, like we're making, we are making concrete policy recommendations at some point in time, but we're not just saying legalize fucking drugs. No. We're saying a lot of different things at this point in time. Yeah, and we are saying we need to go down there because if, well, not his son, but if Chapo's nephew can't manage to make a little bit of dough off of whatever. That we transition this to, yes. Then, so now the aid money goes to this. So we say, okay, we're going to give you $250 million. Mm -hmm. Or we're going to give you... 2% of whatever we make off of what yeah, we sell. Tax revenues, all that kind of stuff, which means that we become partners at that point in time. Wow, that would be a really But that kind idea. of works along with the idea that's of NAFTA not, anyway, right? Well, that's dude, that's there's no like part of the reason why I put it this way is because I like I want to force people to understand that there's no there's no like I don't agree like I agree with the spirit of what 
old uh, AOLA, whatever the fuck that guy's name is. I agree. I, I, I agree with him wanting to help uh, uh, AMLO. I, I agree with him wanting to help the Mexican people. Of course, that makes perfect sense to me. But like all of our future problems, all of our future endeavors are going to be rooted in something that we're going to have to negotiate writ large. That doesn't mean that I say you get rid of the you know nation states, but you do have to understand that you know climate problems not something that paid much attention to invisible lines on fucking maps like so i, I don't want to go too too far away from the point that you're making but yes no we, we have to understand that these solutions are things that we have to come to collectively because what it is that allowed things to get so shitty is us doing these things together where there was a lot of bargaining but the bargaining was being done in very bad faith you know i'm even willing to say, fuck it, let's roll 1.5% of the side for the CIA to do all of their stupid shit. Seriously. I, 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 I'm only, I'm only going to go with that as long as they... We, we need to start I mean, acting in good faith a little bit you, better. you got to have time. a black bag operation every now and then. I mean, we trained the entire fucking country in Nicaragua on how to fucking throw a black bag over somebody's head and not, kidnap not them. all of them just 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 the just the just the contras so, we weren't training the sandinistas no, i think, I think we, and now the ones in el salvador that we trained they're all part of fucking m13 yeah. and killing motherfuckers all over the place you mean or ms13 the, ms13 they're the kids of the ms13 they're the kids of, the, yeah. the ms13 are the kids of the people that were trained in el salvador yeah um Okay, so I I just want to make one more point, and this is kind of along with what you were saying, because I didn't think of how bad the United States might fuck things up if we do actually legalize things. But here in the United States, we've got some farmers that are fucking starving, and we've got some farmers that are fucking rich as shit for doing absolutely nothing. And it doesn't matter the crop. It can be wheat, it can be beets, it can be sugarcane, whatever. I have a strong feeling that if we were to legalize everything, uh -huh. that they wouldn't let the invisible hand actually do its work. <laughs> and that they Why, would... Because capitalism is functioning so appropriately right now? That they would try to place farm subsidies on the the making of drugs and shit like that yeah or whatever the necessary and so whoever had the most land and could provide the most supply may or may not get paid to not produce and and that you kind and of you're you and you're getting your fucking cart ahead of the horse you always love to get the cart ahead of the horse you're worried about fucking farm subsidies for people that are potentially producing heroin in the United States once we've made it legal and we've regulated it because we're not going to incorporate the fucking Afghanis into the fucking heroin trade properly as soon as we make it regulated. I was just mentioning it as a side note. <laughs> you, you and your... You love, you love to get the fucking... It's always in front of the horses. Like we can worry about that as soon as soon as we get to the point where like we filled in all these other places, 
you know, I'm sure you're right. I mean, we, we're, but I mean, ultimately, we're trying to create a space where this this whole system is reproducible at some point in time. I mean, at some point in time, we should start teasing out some of these obnoxious concepts like. You sound like you work at the post office, dude. What do you mean? How does that? What did I say? That did I say that? The reproducible thing, because I know that everybody wants these reproducible results. We want this many fucking, this many. That's Mark's. Actions that's per. Uncle, that's Uncle Carl all day, every day. That's fine, but I mean, nobody they call talks them, about social reproduction inside the post office. Key performance indicators is what I was thinking. Nobody talks about key performance indicators inside the post office. They do. When Dude, they, do they used to have a fucking smiley face that you had to hit. That was that was that was that's gone. I know. It, it doesn't matter. I was just fucking with you anyway. I I actually got on camera. I took it and I was like, fake like slamming it on the ground. Um. Key performance indicators. When 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 were we talking about that? Was that was a long time ago? But that never got on any of this stupid shit, right? Why were we going down the key performance indicator line? That lean six sigma shit and all that stuff. No, I. I you mean back then or now? Then. It doesn't fucking matter. It really I, does. No, it doesn't. Because, because every business wants to reproduce. You're, 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 you're talking shit about my use of the word of reproduction. Yes, I did. What because because you're putting in the context of key performance indicators? Yeah, the way that you said it. And because you... I'm a Marxist, dude. That's fine. I, I, I don't give a fuck what you call yourself. And what I call myself? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't care what you are. Are you they or them? <laughs> yeah, let me let me shine your fucking bottom <laughs> up for a minute, motherfucker. <laughs> Key performance indicators. Get the go ahead, get the cart in front of the the horse again. One Here's your time. fucking horse. Um. All right. So we've been babbling for like 45 minutes, and everything that we said is absolutely fucking necessary for someone to think about where we want to be in the future. Regardless of whether you do drugs or not, you need to think about key performance indicators. <laughs> Like and, and how they relate to whether or not <laughs> like we're doing a really good job of having non-recidivism with uh, people in prison. So that means that we've got lots of prison customers. That's another KPI. But see those those guys in prison, and this is just a guess. This is just an idea. But instead of holding the drug people in prison. They could open rehab centers, and that would at least partially fill that gap for but the bodies that they're your missing. Your funding would be dependent on your success. I mean, you, and that doesn't mean that you just push people in and you push people out. Would that be a key performance indicator? It would be a key performance indicator. You have to be able to demonstrate that you're actually helping people. <laughs> And that doesn't mean that you're reprogramming them or turning them into fucking robots or that, that they're there. And then you pretend for the next year that their statistical disposition doesn't count. And then when they come back in, then that means that they just were there the whole fucking time. 
you need to actually demonstrate. We need to st spend some time thinking about. Well, hold on though. I don't, I don't understand where you're going with this. I know that people that want help should be able to get help. That's what I'm, I'm talking about like concrete availability. I'm talking about not subjugate, subjugating it to a market that wants people to fail so you can continue to make money off of it. Okay, so no revolving door. Yeah, you don't. You're not forcing people into those spaces. You're right. just if somebody wants to come into that space, you're really trying to engage them honestly. Enhance your calm. Enhance your calm. <laughs> <laughs> Enhance your calm, John Spartan. Dude, I I wasn't trying to fucking piss you off. I'm just I, saying. I was just being serious. I'm not pissed off. Like I was clear. I. You I don't want, want anybody to be forced. No, I want people to be able to get help. But the way you were making that sound, and you said no deprogramming and whatever, but you said we need to see results. And there's we're a, interpreting it. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't. There's a there's a problem with addicts, and that is they're addicts, and so. You know, the, the falling off the wagon thing, and I don't give a fuck what your wagon is. You know, maybe you jumped on the wagon because you wanted to get off booze. Maybe it was heroin, whatever. There's a tendency to fall off. So I'm not saying, well, maybe you want results. Fuck it. I don't know what I'm saying. I, I, I want you people. Were making, you, I think you were thinking that I was trying to force people. And you, because you want people to be able to make their own choices with regards to these things, and you don't want people to be forced into these spaces. No, that's the point. Yeah, of the the freedom concept that you so endear yourself to. You don't want freedom. You'd like to be fucking blocked into a fucking yeah, mental exactly institution. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. You fucking idiot. Because that's <laughs> all there is. There's only Brian's kind of freedom, or authoritarianism, no. or totalitarianism you stupid fuck you need to enhance your calm dude well dude you're 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 the one that's you you if you twist my words which is what you just did no i was trying to figure freedom, out the freedom thing either my freedom or the highway freedom i was making fun of the way that you identify with certain concepts of freedom in that moment because i knew that you would go down that space <sighs> you're the one that needs to enhance your calm john spartan i'm fucking calm as a motherfucker um, I'm calmer than you are. Anyway, I don't know. I'm calmer than you are, dude. I I do want them to get help. But what I was getting at is that I think some of them are going to yeah, fuck up fail. again. They're going to not fail. We'll just say that they're they're going to relapse. The shit's going to happen again. I don't disagree with that at all. And and to be honest with you, like I said, there's a lot of things that we've talked about. Like, a, like I, I believe in clean injection sites. I think that there, I know, so there was this weird story that I read, another anecdotal thing, fuck yourself, Bill Maher. Um, there was a longshoreman who worked as a longshoreman for 35 years, and he, when he was on lunch, would go and shoot up, and at the end of the day, he would go home and shoot up, and he did that for his entire life until he died. And I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do, but there are people 
And if you look at the way, like if you look at BC, or if you look, I mean, honestly, like if we look at the stuff that's gone on in uh, places like Portugal, you know, and I don't want to, like, I do think that we don't need to over-romanticize these spaces, and we're dealing with things on a scale that's going to be maybe bigger here, right, because of the ways in which we've commodified heroin differently than maybe they have in other spaces where you have Cape Cod spaces where tons of people have become, like, that's the drug that people do up there, according, at least in 2015, that was what they were, they were suggesting. Um, but in that context, the way that we're going to negotiate these questions are going to be complicated. It's going to take some time. I just want to have an environment where we're a little bit more honest with regards to the way that we approach the question of rehabilitation, because right now, rehabs in the United States are like I, uh, in the uh, Beautiful Boy movie, right? So like uh, he takes the first one that he takes his son to in San Francisco. Um, he says, he says, what's your success rate? He says, on the, she says on the high end, 75 or 80%. And he says on the low end, he says, she says more like 25. He goes and sees Tim Hutton, right? Who is the, 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 the scientist who knows the truth about how the drugs affect the brains. He's looked at the brain scans and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he goes to Tim Hutton. He says, I, I'm a writer. You know, I, I, I'm not really here for a writing thing. I just want to ask you some questions uh, of a personal nature. And Tim Hutton says, why? He says, because of my son. So they start talking. And uh, he starts to talk about the um, the ways that the, what, what part of the brain is it that I said earlier where it lights up red? The amygdala. The amygdala. Yeah, the amygdala lights up red when methamphetamine uh, addicts get uh, to where they're taking huge doses to, to repeat the process of trying to get, um, to repeat the high. And uh, Tim Hutton says, yeah, when they get to that space, um, it's just really, really, really difficult to get them out of that headspace. And uh, that's when Carell alludes to the fact on the side that, you know, he's glad I didn't tell me that thing at the, um, at the rehab centers. And he says, he says, yeah, he says, he says rehab is, is in the, in the single digits percent in terms of success. And like, I, I believe in my estimation that if we were negotiating things on a human level a little bit better, that I, I don't think that that, that type of an environment would be in the single digits. If the real goal of an institution like that was to help people instead of make money off of them. That's that's really like the only thing that I was sort of like trying to tease out in that space. I, I absolutely think that uh, the main premise of what you were, you were saying in the first place is absolutely true. When you are addicted to something, you are not going to become, uh, you're not going to become not addicted to that thing unless you're ready to to, to not be addicted to that thing. No, Everything's about freedom in those moments. But dude, everybody thinks that I'm just joking, I think, when I say this. But, you know, I'm an alcoholic. I always have been. I just don't drink anymore. I'm still an alcoholic. If I quit doing whatever it is I do... I'm still that. I'm just not doing that anymore. Okay. That that's all I'm saying. And so that's why 
people fall off the wagon. I probably didn't fall off the booze wagon or even get on it because I had another crutch. I, so that's, I mean, that's, that's like the personal thing in relation to it. And I understand how that illuminates certain things. And I'm not wanting to get into a technicality over when you're addicted to something, of course, you're always addicted to that thing. That's, that's not ever going to. That's all I was yeah, saying. I, mean, I wasn't trying to fuck with you. Dude. I, no, no. I, well, I mean, you were saying something else about freedom too, in, in relation to it. I, I, I don't believe you if you're trying to alter your, the trajectory of your argument, like over to that space. You were you were saying something else about the the purpose of centers like that and stuff like that. And you no, see, I want those centers to be everywhere if if we can. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm not. That's. I mean, I'm being. I'm getting into the weeds right now. Okay. So. Um. So look, I know we didn't talk at all about entertainment except for the Rush concert, maybe. We talked about and, entertainment. We talked about the uh, wonderful documentaries where a 23-year-old girl um, died of an overdose. But wasn't that mostly in the last one? Well, in this one, we talked about this. I mean, we talked about a, a practical way, like the fact that if you want to legalize drugs. I think this is important stuff. That isn't what I was saying. That's, I, that's entertaining. But I'm just trying to, like, figure out because I think. I'm very entertained I think, right now. So right now, we are at about 60 minutes. Okay. So maybe. You want to try to entertain. You want to do, like, a magic trick or something? Maybe we got 15, 20 minutes more. Do I don't a know. Magic trick? No, I. Do a fucking magic trick, dude. Well, entertain. So you just fucking disappeared? That's your magic trick? Yes. <laughs> Nicely done. Nothing up my sleeve. Fuck face. Um, no, I'm just trying to figure out, like, do we keep talking about this? Or do we... Well, I don't think that you should, you're thinking about this too much. I mean, if we have more to say, we say things, you know? We We've got a lot more to say. All, but, well, yeah, I mean, come on, dude. This is you and me. I mean, we rattle on like the cloud of bone of a goose's ass, dude. I, I mean, mean but I mean, this is important stuff. The Just the regulation alone. Uh-huh. That's so complicated, dude. It's I, I understand that it is complicated, but if we could regulate it at a federal level to eliminate some of the shit that we were talking about with the legalization of weed. If we could regulate it, then again, maybe those people that truly want help, but are fucking scared come forward. Well, of course, because it's not, a, you're, you're not locked up in a criminal space every time you're fucking right. I mean, so there was one instance that I was watching on the, uh, which one? no, it was uh, it was the uh, the Cape Cod one again, and this kid is fucking overdosing on the fucking ground, and they're they're filming it, and this his buddies, um, he had him on his side and he was trying to, but then he moves him onto his back because he's trying to do some like heart, you know, trying to get his heart going and all that shit, and a fucking cop shows up and the first, the cop he's clearly going through the uh, um, a very specific regimen of what he's taught to do. 
Um, I, I think he had he had a little pack on him, so I think he had some nar narco with him, right? Or narcol, narcol is what it's called, right? Something along those lines. And uh, but he rolled him over onto his side, and then suddenly there were four fucking cop cars there, right? And so like the kid that had been helping him while he was fucking overdosing is now in trouble too. But you can see him; he's like. He doesn't run or anything like that, but he knows because there's four fucking cops there. He's, there's nowhere for him to go, but he's petrified because he knows that if he has anything on him, he's going to jail. Uh, I mean, we do not create an we do not create an environment where and if, like if we acknowledge that this is you know strictly financial. Well, that 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 it's that it's an illness, like when addiction is oh, an illness. Oh, sorry. Right. I went instead the other of a way. instead of a crime, right? Then we're thinking about it differently. We're approaching the people that are dealing with it differently. Um, and for all of you that think that that means that like, you know, that you're like uh, look, if you want to militarize everything, then I don't I don't want to live in the same country as you anyway. You can fuck off. You well, know? that's why the war on drugs needs to end. And, okay, so I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Again, we can, we can keep talking. But HBO really hasn't made many bad shows. Mm -hmm. But they did one fairly recently, which was called, I think, we own the city or we own the night. We own the night. I know there was one called We Own the Night, but I don't think that's the one you're talking about. It is We Own This City then. Mm -hmm. But it was about the city of Baltimore right after Freddie Gray. Mm -hmm. And so the riots had already happened, but it showed, you know, how like at this point the police were hesitant to do anything because it seemed like everybody had cameras and they were being watched. So they were letting people walk for stuff that they normally would have been arrested for. And some of it was bullshit, like fucking loitering or whatever. But some of it was probably real fucking crime. And in the show, the chief of police says, you know, they made the mistake of calling it the war on drugs. And when you when you're in a war you don't have police anymore you have soldiers and they're used to fighting and that's what we've created from new york manhattan down to fucking san diego all the way across everybody is just militarized and ready to fucking knock down a door without any probable cause more than likely but i mean and just take down people that may or may not have drugs and our police shouldn't be doing that our police should be protecting us and maybe i'm romanticizing what cops do and that's fucking strange because I fucking hate cops. But maybe I hate them because of the way they were trained because they're in a war and not policing. They need to be re retaught what it is. It's, so, y y you know, 
Um, one of the last people that I had a connection to in the Beyond Chicanismo, Beyond Chicanismo stuff was uh, um, uh, Nick and uh, Danny brought in this guy named Chesa Boudin. You know, did I talk to you about him at all? So his his parents were Kathy Boudin and uh, um, I can't remember what his fucking dad's name was. Um, he was raised by Bill Ayers and Billers and Bernadine Dorn, though. So, like, his parents were weather underground people. You have talked to me about yeah. that. And, yeah. And uh, um, I ended up taking him to the airport when, when he left. Um, he went and served as a, a foreign policy um, advisor. advisor to uh, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela before he died. Uh, Chess is a very interesting person. But uh, he was the uh, district attorney in San Francisco um, from 2020 to from January 8th, 2020 to January 8th, 2020 or July 8th, 2022. Uh, he was removed from office because he tried to force um, at least where he was at in San Francisco. He tried to force the removal of all nonviolent drug offenders from prison. Um, he was trying to enact a lot of the things that we're talking about. And of course, like the, the people who uh, think that everybody that has a drug offense against them is a potential thief, a potential, you know, criminal. Right. Um, and that's horseshit. Sorry. He did. No, no, no. It's fine. It is, it is horseshit. But he, you know, he really, 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 really tried. Like I was on, uh, um, he was doing this, uh, talk thing and it was when everything was shut down in 2020 and uh this person was uh just saying all these horrible things about him in the middle of it and he started to talk about his activity in venezuela right and i and i i said one thing i said i i can't imagine who would know anything about the venezuela stuff unless they were working for an intelligence organization which means that i automatically got flagged the second that i made that comment but he was doing that and he got fucking tagged by all of these different actors the second that he came out trying to do all the shit that he was doing and all the people who were talking about defund the police uh they were they they tried to glom that onto him and he he was he was not trying to defund the police he was trying to make the police do their job you know and not worry about people who were not dangerous fucking members of society i don't ever want to defund the police not that i'm ever going to call one i don't think it's ever going to happen i i haven't well no when somebody broke into my jeep i called the cops because i had to file a report mm -hmm. so that i could get my insurance insurances like that yeah but otherwise i wouldn't have called those motherfuckers they're worthless they showed up and did absolutely nothing no, you do it for the purpose of a technicality in that moment right so. Um, but I don't, I don't think I'll ever call a cop because again, I, I think that they're absolutely worthless unless they're chasing down drugs and maybe I'm wrong. The last nice cop I remember talking to and she arrested me, but she put me in the front seat and she made sure my seatbelt was on and then she gave me gum when she was taking me to jail. I thought was nice. All of the others basically beat the fuck out of me. Um, 
or did beat the fuck out of me, one or the other. When I say basically, I just mean a couple of fucking whacks to the head as opposed to full-on kicking you and shit. I don't know, dude. I, I, I think we both understand that there's a civic function that beliefs fill, and you don't want to live in a space where they're not there. But we would feel a lot better. I think we both agree that we'd feel a lot better if they were focusing on things that made sense. Well, this is a whole other episode, probably. But seriously, dude, and, you know, cities have fought across the United States to get it. But I would like to see a fucking board, you know, for discipline that had two or three cops, two or three civilians, and then, like, maybe one politician to break the fucking tie. And police, uh, here's, here's, here, here's something that's going to get me fucking a ticket sooner or later, but uh, police unions shouldn't just be about protecting a motherfucker's ass. Like, people need to do their job. Dude, the thin, the thin blue line, well, unions as a whole shouldn't protect anybody that can't do their job. Yeah. I, I say that as an American postal worker union person is I think that yeah, that most of the time the national social letter carriers, and I'm not saying this for all of them, but the two union stewards at my post office prior to the two existing ones right now were the biggest fucking slugs in the history of the universe. They know that I think that, and I've been pretty clear on my point with regards to that. And I, I'm, I'm a Marxist. I believe in what I fucking believe. I believe in labor. But labor is supposed to... What gave... In the, in 1970, when that water cap strike happened uh, in New York, you know what gave it success? I know I, I'm going to repeat this many, many times throughout the course. If we do this for years, I'm going to say this many, many times over. What made it successful was that those guys controlled the means of production. They knew how to do their fucking job and they did it. It's not about fucking sitting there saying, you know, I'm going to fucking be as slow and worthless as I fucking possibly can. It's Because I know the union's going to save protect me. me. Yeah, it's about making sure that 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 you dominate your, your, your field of labor because you're the only, because you have a skill and you're the one that has it. You're the people that have it and you make sure that you you've earned the right to maintain the protection that you've had through the, through the unions that exist. But I, I'm not even talking about the police union because the police union steps in if they think something went wrong. I watched too many movies. That's probably why I think about that shit. But I'm talking about that weird shit because like, and I understand this part too, because you shouldn't fucking, you know, rat on somebody else. But that thin blue line and that that fucking shield thing, you know, where if you're a cop, you know, we're behind you the whole way. I, I don't dig it, dude. Like, that nurse, when I showed up at fucking county that night and I had fucking blood dripping down both sides of my fucking face. Yeah. I had... You know, probably a bloodshot eye because they had fucking need me in the head a couple of times. And then I don't even want to talk about what they did to my ribs and shit. But, you know, she's cleaning up the blood off my head and she's like, what happened to you? And I was like, those fuckers kicked the shit out of me. And at that point, she just said, oh, 
and kept cleaning my head and didn't talk to me anymore because she was at that point protecting them. And dude, I, you know, I mean, the only thing that I did was talk shit about the Bill of Rights and how they couldn't fucking tell me what to do. Did you ever see the movie Pride and Glory? It's got Ed Norton in it. His brother's uh, the red-haired guy, Ginger. His dad is a... Uh, um, what the fuck is his name? Uh, oh, John Voight. It's all these Boston cops, you know. And it's, they, there's all that. It's, I so, have it's seen like a more, that. Because like one of them, time. one of them runs a fucking nightclub, right? No, 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 no night, no nightclub. Maybe I haven't. But seen Colin that. Farrell's like a, he's a dirty cop, and uh, they shake down all these people on behalf of drug dealers and shit like that. And of course, this is like the hyperbolic example of. But like that shit stuff. happens too. Yeah. This is this is why you can't you, look. If you believe in the law, you believe in the fucking law. You know, that doesn't mean like 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 we've said. You know, there are moments when things have to happen a certain way, and the Amartya comes down, right? But when you're the defender of the thing, it's your responsibility to defend that thing, not not to sit there and be a fucking you know to, to beat the fuck out of people send them to fucking jail and never to maintain a permanent state of silence because they're all thinking that everybody that walks into a jail is nothing but a fucking criminal well and again this is probably another episode but i think besides the fact that we need a board for discipline uh -huh. that includes citizens I think we also need some fucking heavy-duty psychological exams for police that are coming in. Now, certain jurisdictions are going to argue we don't have the funds. Yeah. Not necessarily the funds, but we don't have that type of... We, we can't do that because we have these positions that need to be filled. So we can't wait around for that perfect candidate. Because a lot of these guys are just as fucking whacked as the criminals they're supposed to be protecting you from. Anyway. You're again, right. It's, 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 this, this right here is a whole other episode by itself. It, it is absolutely. Because austerity in relation to the police department is the same as austerity in relation to the post office. Anything that's a public position uh, is so lean right now. Like, but I'm not, I'm not just talking about austerity because, I mean, there are certain jurisdictions that have money, whether it's from not the mill levy. Maybe not. I mean, I don't absolutely know. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we can do that on another episode. Yeah, that's a that's a finance thing too. But anyway, so look, I don't watch Rush, watch Scarface, watch <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. Watch Half Baked. Dazed and confused. You know what I like about high school girls? They keep, I keep getting older and they just keep saying this, staying the same age. You know, nobody talks about that line from Matthew McConaughey. Everybody talks about fucking Time to Kill and True Detective. True Detective was wonderful. Best fucking, one of my favorite characters of all time. 
probably not the best uh dude line. you know you have some fucking flat circle shit everywhere in here right there's a flat circle on that that base right there on the bottom those plates that you have in there there's a flat yeah, circle time's a flat circle dude i know okay so we're coming up on a minute 15 we can keep talking if you want to try i mean i i i, I gotta go to bed i gotta work at the post office tomorrow i gotta go and uh, uh serve the public in the way that i do all right so i think we kind of tied the last three together but we kind of rambled a little bit that's... No, no, we've only we got we got to do the next one. We're gonna tie it together too because we're gonna do gangs this week. Well, we are gonna do gangs, but I mean, because we did drugs oh, three, three, three. Okay, so uh, drugs one, drugs two, drugs, drugs and entertainment, drugs and entertainment. I I don't like that title. I mean, that's a little bit ambiguous. It's it could be misleading. That we could be really telling people that everyone should do LSD and mushrooms. And I don't know that I really think that that's the message that I want to send the world. I don't mind sending that message. I I already said it. Okay, you but can send I that mean, message. I'm not going to send that message. Jesus Christ, motherfucker. Have I, another bowl of uh, red beans and rice. I know I'm in some trouble, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Do drugs, don't fucking do drugs. But don't worry about other people doing drugs. Just let it go and talk to your congressman senators let it go let it flow. house reps let it blossom let it grow <laughs> all right i i don't even fucking know what else to say 720334 roll shirt bus debate club at yahoo.com we will talk to you in a few days about gangs and uh that's gonna tie back to uh drugs and prisons obviously so and maybe even the military if you're lucky actually we should have done the last castle on this one anyway um well it wasn't a drug movie later later <laughs>